I used to rob banks in the 80s and 90s and did 23 years in prison in three different states. It took 30 years to talk about the sexual abuse that happened to me and the spiral into crime, addiction and depression that all occurred as a result. Now, having turned my life around, I talk openly to interesting people about trauma, survival, transformation and hope. I am Russell Mansell and this is The Stick Up. Paul Showtime Fleming is a professional boxer from North Queensland who has represented Australia in the 2008 Beijing Olympics in the featherweight division. He has had a stellar career and is one of the most exciting boxers in boxing to date. Welcome to The Stick Up. How are you, champion? Good. Thanks, man. Thanks for having us. Thanks for giving us your time, man. Very appreciated. Mate, I, I, man, you're just one of those charismatic, enduring human beings and I, I, I love everything about you. I love your enthusiasm and... Um, you were one of my first picks to come on the show because I just think you've got an amazing story and um, the best walkout in the boxing business. Thank and, you, thank you. No, well, I really appreciate it coming from you, man. And, you know, I know you've been around and met a lot of people, so if, to be one of your first guests on here is a real real privilege, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. No worries. Brother, tell us about where you grew up. Oh, man, I grew up in uh, far north Queensland, up mm. in the wet tropics there, sunny uh, sunny sometimes and rainy most of the time, uh, Tully. Yeah. Um, highest recorded rainfall in Australia annually. Um, mm. Yeah, grew up on 14 acres out in the middle of the bush. Mm. No one, no, like, just living a real simple blackfella life, no shoes, <laughs> just yeah. out with the dogs running around on the farm and, you know, just fishing and you know, just living the life, eh? Do you come from a big family? So um, it's just me, my mum and dad, and then later on my mum and dad had a, a daughter, yeah. like my sister. Yeah. I was about 10, so I grew up most like most of my life. I say that because I moved away from home when I was 16, so mm. 10 years is most of my life living at home, moved away six years later, was my own man. So mm. most of my life I was living at home without a brother or sister, and then I had a... Rhiannon, she's, she's nine years younger than me. She was born with cerebral palsy and autism. She's yeah. non-verbal. She's never spoke and nothing yeah. in her life. Only started walking when she was about six. So wow. that was a that was an experience, you know, growing up. Always wanted a brother and sister and then, you know, to finally get one. And, you know, it's n- not what you expected, but, you, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, I love her to death. I got to see her recently, first time I've seen her in a while and, you know, she's their gifts. My 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 mate Georgie Georgie Jones has uh, has got a daughter with cerebral palsy, and she's a gift. That kid, she really is. That uh, makes you look at your life differently, eh? You yeah. know, makes you really appreciate it. You mm. know, just the simple things. And having kids myself, I got a big I got a big mob myself. Yeah. Got, How many kids you got? I just had number six. Wow! So I got a ten year old girl, nine year old boy, seven year old boy, four year old boy. Two-year-old boy and one-month-old girl tomorrow. Congratulations. So, yeah, very busy. So, mate, what sports did you excel at from a young fella? Being man, a black fella, you would have been good at everything. Oh, man. Like, uh, rugby league was my number one. You know, mm-hmm. I love I love rugby league when I was a kid. I, like, played from when I was f- – f- as soon as I could play, you know, and I, I ended up getting player of the year and everything up there. I was a pretty handy little player. Yeah, just a small. Halfback no, form. I was a hooker. I was dummy half. Yeah. I was like a little bit more solid yeah. back in the day, but um, just no fear. Like I just mm. had no fear. I used to just play everything I do. I 100%. I don't know 
anything but 100%. Right. Like, I can't do anything. I'm redline and everything. The ADHD, you know. I yeah. just, just it's a don't good know. thing. It yeah. is It is a good thing. It's hard. Some people don't understand it. A lot of people don't understand it, you know, like what it's what it's like to be revving at 100 miles an hour all the time. And But to that, be a successful person these days, you've got to have that you know, drive. You've got to, you know what I mean? I think I've got it. And, and that's the driving factor. I just fucking, I, I, I zoom in on stuff and then I chase it. it yeah. And you know what? I say it's like a, it's like a blessing and a curse because, you know, now that I have to be more structured in my life than ever, it's more harder than ever mm. because now I've got six kids, a wife, a company, opening a gym, boxing, all the other sort of stuff I'm doing around the edges. Mm. To try and balance that all out and have a mind that struggles to focus in on one thing at times it, yeah. or focuses in on the one thing when you've got a hundred other things to do, it's it 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 it's a struggle sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I, I I've got this. It's like I'm fueled by in like a rocket fuel, man. I just yeah, I feel that too. Sometimes. Yeah, it's, it's, it feels it's, good it's, when you're in the zone. It, I mean, I. I tell my wife, I go, hey, why would you, why would you not want to feel invincible? Like, mm, yeah. like, like the days where I'm on, I feel like there's nothing that could stop me. Like I'm just like, and if I did, I just bounce off and get back up and go again. Mm, like, you I feel, feel creative, like, eh? Like you go through those moments, you just go, you got this vision and you wizard. feel, feel the wizardry. Yeah. You feel like you're just wow. manifesting everything. Like yeah, you just stop that me. energy. Nothing can stop me. I, I. I I've got this little spot at home on my You mind. may have ADHD. We may have just diagnosed <laughs> you with ADHD, well, sir. We diagnosed no. each other. But, you know, this little spot on my lounge, I just sit there, man. I just get in these creative zones and just go, and I just get blown away. I just fucking, where my head just went, I just go, fuck. Yeah, man, how what did about I get that? There? Do you ever trace back? Like, how the fuck did I get there? <laughs> yeah. You're like, and I do that now. I've learned to do that with my missus. If I randomly say something, she's like, where did that come from? Okay, okay. Here's the train of thought, and I trace it back. I was thinking of this, thinking of that, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. And then I work it all out to her, and she goes, that's random, but. Genius. And I go, oh, well, that's. And it's a, often genius. It is, it is. It's like, how the hell did you come to there? And, like, it, it's it's a strange way, but mm. to me it makes sense. And I think, you know, that's not being able to read. Like, I was 25 before I got my license mm. because I, I never passed a grade in my life. Yeah, never what read was your schooling like? What was the school like? Horrible, man. Yeah. I hated it, like. I didn't know how to do ABCs or nothing before I went to school. My mum and dad had their own issues, you mm. know what I mean? They had their own traumas that they were dealing with in their own ways. And then, and we're talking about like 80s, 90s. Mm. There's no like, no real things about ADHD back then. And, mm. and I was just, just, I was a good kid. Mm. I was a good heart. Same mm. as, exactly same as I am now. Good mm. heart, but just fucking crazy, impulsive, an 100 miles an hour. Yeah. And, you, you, it's like I explain myself as a staffy. You ever had a pet staffy before? One now. Okay. If you leave that staffy in the backyard and don't walk it or don't pay any attention, what happens to your backyard? No, it just wrecks it. It just wrecks it. It tries to chew out the the the, the fence. It'll chew up every toy. Mm. It'll dig a million holes. It'll be pushing its face up. That's like me. Like mm. if I don't have, if I'm not allowed to run out and do my thing and release that energy. Mm. I self-destruct within yeah. myself and it could be self-destructive thoughts. It just could just be like, I don't sleep. I get in these patterns where I won't sleep for days. I won't eat and not because I'm not because I'm wanting to, just because I'm just in my head so much battling the 
battling the energies, you know. Man, I, 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 exact same thing happens to me. <laughs> Two o'clock in the morning, I'm just wide awake. Yeah. Getting or, creative. Or or you might go, not off, and then you wake up, and then that's all you need. Yeah, and yeah. then you eat. Like, I do that heaps, man. Mm. I'll I'll be with the kids, and, and I'll be doing something with them, trying to put the kids to bed, and I'll not off. And then I'll be like, wake up, because I have stuff to do. And then that's me. I'm gone. Okay. Where did the boxing career start, mate? So, I'd always been- I'd always, I'm a, I'm a man's man, boy's boy, if mm. you'd want to say yeah. that, quote, unquote, yeah. like fishing, motorbike riding, footy, punching on, mm. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Sloan, mm. hard target, mm. like Terminator movies, yeah. like, so I was always into that sort of stuff and- Dad was the same sort of footy, fighting, fishing sort of dude and just always showed me how to fight. There was no boxing gyms in, in the in the town and all of a sudden there was a boxing gym and then I was over footy and I was like, let's, let's go. Well, there was a boxing, boxing gym in Tully? Yeah, so there was a taekwondo gym. They're the same guy that did – Ronnie Anderson was his name. He's an old TV ringside fighter. Mm. He worked at the local sugar mill mm. and he used to teach the taekwondo because he did taekwondo as well as boxing. Mm. He used to teach taekwondo and then the taekwondo classes, no one was showing up in the small – we're talking about – Tully, tiny little town. Mm. No one was coming, so he stopped doing it, and he started just training boxing out of his house. And we're talking about the roof. We it was underneath his house. The roof was just a little bit taller than your head. No bags. Mm. We used to hold shields and mm. used to spar in this little rectangle room mm. underneath his house, and that was our gym. Concrete floors, mm. <laughs> like, character building. You know, this is like this is we're talking about like middle of nowhere, up far north Queensland, mm. no money, no nothing. Mm. Like you know, you get a tire, tractor tire from the from the local uh, tire place, and you hit it for training. You know, yeah. you flip it and you pull on ropes. This yeah. old, old school, yeah. You get yeah. a sledgehammer, yeah. you know. Get a dad will get your axe for your twelfth birthday and mm. go. You know, training. Go cut down some trees in the bush. Just mm. go in the tree, like. No shoes on, no nothing. I'd never give my 10-year-old an axe nowadays, but, I mean, that's the difference, you know, yeah. back in the day. Like, here, here's a machete. Go have some fun out in the bush, and I'd be chopping stuff down. And yeah. It's a fun time, man. I, yeah. I, I miss that for my kids. I, I can't I, – hopefully I can move The sad up. part about kids, when we were kids, we could play out in the street, you know. You can play out in the street. You play football out in the street. And they can't do it no more. Yeah. But you know what? I, I think about this, right? Like, yeah – we did all these things back in the day, but how much bad shit was going on? Mm. That's that not, was unreported. Like, that's yeah. unreported. But now is like, like Stranger Danger was a thing, like Stranger mm. Danger, yeah, whatever. Mm. But now it's like, it's like a big thing now. And everyone's like, got a camera on their Everyone's house. got a camera. Everyone, like everyone knows. Like I have the talk to my kids before they go over everyone's house. Okay. Mm. You got the phone there. Anything happens, you can call me anytime, you know, blah, blah, blah. No doors closed. Like, you know, you have these talk. I have mm. these talks to my kids mm. now. Yeah, yeah. Going over their friend's house. Just mm. just, a, just a reminder. Mm. Not that I don't trust their friends or anything. Just a reminder. Yeah, just keep them safe. That was non-existent. Back in them days, yeah. That was non-existent. Yeah. You'd be gone from sun up to sundown mm. sometimes. Like, you'd yeah. just get come yeah, home sure. before the road. <laughs> at young ages and-, and Maybe that's why all this bad shit that was happening was mm. happening because 
you know, it I was it happening in the dark behind scenes yeah. and no one was knowing about it. Because you look at everything that's happening now and comes up from mm. a long time ago. It's scary. It's but scary. Yeah. You know, I, I look back a lot of times, like even now, and I look back and I look at some of the situations I was in and I, with the benefit of hindsight, I can say, geez, that was a close call. I don't think it was any safer, but things were still happening, mm. but they just weren't talked about. Part of the work that I do, you know, I think I'm trying to change the culture of that with the voice of a survivor. We're trying to say... When abuse takes place and that. See, what happens, a perpetrator leaves these people with a whole heap of bad things and that's, you know, guilt, silence and shame and shame is a killer. And and what happens is we're trying to change the culture of saying, hey, listen, if anything bad happens, you talk about it because that shame that you're worried about that's keeping you quiet it doesn't belong to you. It actually belongs to perpetrators themselves, you know yeah. what I mean? So that's that. Hey, let's move along. Let's, let's, I wanna, I'm interested. Let's talk about, you talked about moving at home out of, when you were 16. Where mm. did you go? So I went to a, a gym that was in Maryborough. I trained there for a while, yeah. um, trying to trying to get into the association, which was I was trying to get into the Olympics. I was trying mm. to make Commonwealth Games mm. and Olympics. They don't have that opportunities in far north Queensland, so mm. I had to move closer to Brisbane mm. where all them opportunities were. And I had to change like boxing organisation. So I was with- Yeah, there was two, was yeah, global, was, was the, global. Yeah, there, was, there was league and global and yeah. then association. So- mm. Association was the only one recognized by EBA boxing organization mm. that can go like mm. yada, yada, yada. The other ones couldn't. But mm. unfortunately, as a 12, 13 year old kid in Far North Queensland, you don't even know these things and no, you're, not even, you're yeah. not even given the choices. Yeah. So when you turn 14, 15 and you see, like, I ran the Olympic torch when I was 12 years old for, you know, playing footy and I did some conservation stuff with the up there when I was a little kid. Yeah. I got I got the opportunity to run the Olympic torch, which was pretty cool. So that kind of planted a thing in me where I was like, oh, I wouldn't mind going to the Olympics for boxing. Yeah. And then, you know, finding out that you have to leave and move away and the politics behind actually going to the Olympics is a lot more than you thought. You know, that's a bit of a that's a bit of a not a tough Sad, isn't it? Not a tough pill to swallow, but it's kind of a realization like, hey, it's not just about how, talented how good you, you are. Yeah. I always thought, I always thought like, that's one of the reasons why I left footy too. Cause mm. I'm like, I don't so. want my, I don't want my career to be dictated by a team. Like, I don't know what he's doing at 12 o'clock at night, one o'clock in the morning. I don't know what he's like. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. I want to be responsible for myself. And you know what? Yeah. I want all the glory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to share that, that, that medal or that trophy with, 13 other 15, 16 other guys, I want that for my neck. Yeah. So, you know, that's why I chose that's, like a, I, that's why I chose a solo sport like fight. And I'd always felt like a solo dude. Like mm. I was always felt like very um different, but I just I didn't give I didn't care, but I was different and I was happy with it. Like I was just I didn't even dwell on it. I was just out there and crazy mm. and I couldn't help my my thoughts as a kid is like I, there's no way I can change how I am, and I, I could, even if I wanted to, I can't even think long enough about that to change it. So I'm just like, fuck it, I'll just be That's who I am. Solid from a kid, yeah, not seeking was, out not seeking out validation in his. I, but in my head, I'm like, I can't change even if I wanted to. Hmm. Like, even if I sit here for as long as I want and do this, I can't be anyone that I'm not. Yeah. Like I can't, even though you want me to sit down and learn these words and write this stuff, like I can't do it. I want to be out there. I want to fight. Like yeah. I want to play footy. I like I don't belong here, and I'm only making your classroom even worse because I can't help it. 
Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. I couldn't help it. Like, yeah, yeah. no matter what you you can raise a lion or a tiger in captivity, but you can never take that animalistic instinct out of it. Yeah, it's a killer. I think there's some people that just have certain things that are built embedded in them that you can just never get out of them. I think that they'll just always have that in them. Yeah, you see that with some fighters, don't you? You just see see some blokes that were just born for it, boxers yeah. in particular. Some of the Mexicans, you just go, mate, you were just you were just a born boxer. I was thinking of uh, it reminds me of my mate. He was um he went over to um Afghan and that in the war and he goes, There's some guys in there, some soldiers in there that are just they're just built for it. They just mm. have a motor. They just don't stop. And mm. the harder it gets, the more they push. There's just this resilience in some people that mm. are just embedded in them. And I think people's lives. But you got plenty of resilience yourself, brother. Yeah, you, you're full so. of the stuff. I think so. Look at you, like a little black fellow, made your mm. own way from from Tully into the big smoke eventually. And look at you go, like man, look at your story, amazing. And that's what you know. A lot, one of the things of this podcast, and, and that's mm. why I got you on because you definitely. There's no doubt about you, mate. You're fucking, you fucking, you, you bleed resilience and- um, I'll never die wondering. That's what I tell people, you know, on my gravestone, if I have one, they will say he never, he never laid down. He never, he never died wondering. Like yeah. I, I gave, I, I just, I just don't have that lay down and give up attitude in me. I can't like, and mm. I just, and I don't have this thing that dwells. I, I, I don't know. I'm not a big dweller on things. I'll just like. There's always a way for me. There's always well, that's that a- ADHD, ADHD thing. It's like yeah. you don't go, you don't worry. There's a problem. You look for the solution and you do it. Yeah, or you just you, you just roll with it. Mm. Like I just roll with it. Like that's the it, like like that. My old man was hard hardcore. Like old dude, he would have been like, oh, he would have been in his seventies now. Probably he was born in the forties. My dad, mm. so he's old school as, and he was like real chauvinistic, real. Love the love the cap, the punishment sort of thing. Mm. Love the flogging and that. And in my head at an early age, I realised, fuck, I'd rather him yell at me and abuse me than give me it to hide. And mm. so, if I can keep him, like just just be happy with that. Like mm. that's that's it. Like and so I, I could never, I never ever cried. I in my memory, I've never ever cried from the things that anyone has ever said to me. Mm. to hurt my feelings like i because yeah. i'm dad always used to say and there's one thing that stuck to me sticks and stones. remember the sticks yeah, and stones will break my bones. sticks and stones and yeah. I, and that really stuck to me it's like you can say anything mm. i can say anything to anyone and it's just like honestly and to to me i'd rather my dad say you're black this yeah. and you're dirty was, your dad, was it was your dad white? Uh, my dad was white my dad was white my aboriginal my my mum's aboriginal asian yeah so and my dad's european so. yeah and um yeah, so I I heard that, and to hear racist things come from your own dad, that's a real that's a real strange thing. But that's why things that people say when they say that stuff, it doesn't really affect me because I'm like, if my own dad saying that stuff to me couldn't make me cry, you got no fucking chance, <laughs> dude. Like, yeah. you know, if if a ten year old me getting my own father saying stuff to me is not gonna hurt me, you got no chance, dude. Yeah. Like, say what you want, but and the world's full of haters. Look at social media these days. Look at the haters on there. It's like, wow. But it's at- given people the voice, hasn't yeah, it? It's given them. A, it's given it's cowards given a, a platform. Pla- giving cowards a platform. You couldn't say this stuff back in the day, could you? No. It was like you, you get a little touch up. Let's touch on the boxing career, mate. Let's go. Let's work out. So, where did you go from Maribara? So, I went from Maribara to Sunshine Coast. Um, I trained with a trainer there called um, 
Mick Foley. Mick, great, yeah, great, Mike Foley, yeah. yeah, from Shamrock Boxing yeah. Gym. Um, Greg Walker was telling me about that, and he said, when you fought them Shamrock fighters, you knew they were well prepared. He goes, they might not have been the greatest fighters. I fought him. I yeah. fought some of his um, I fought some of his boys, Greg's yeah. boys. Corey, Corey McConnell. Yeah, 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 I fought yeah. Corey McConnell a couple of times. Good bloke. Yeah. Yeah. I always had a lot of respect, even though we were – Rivals, we always had a lot of mutual respect for each other, me mm. and Greg Stick, because we knew, uh, like, yeah. like Greg said, mm. we knew it was going to be a tough fight. We yeah. knew they were going to be um, ready. Yeah. But yeah, I trained with um, Mike, and I end up. What, was your, I, what, did, what did you do? Your amateur career with him, or yeah, so I did my um, junior amateur career elsewhere, and I had my first senior fight with Mike. So mm. when I turned seventeen, I started. Well, I was fighting men from when I was sixteen, mm. but then I turned junior, which is at seventeen back then you could can go to the Olympics if you qualified. Mm. You had to be 17. And um, as soon as I turned 17, he, Corey was actually my first fight at yeah. 17 years yeah. old. It was, and he was the Aussie champ at the yeah. time. So, you know, I was fighting men from 17, 16 years old and um, end up trying out for the Commonwealth Games. I missed out. Luke Jackson, a yeah. real, another real good friend of mine, we fought like four times in the amateurs. He beat me three times. And I end up beating him the last our last fight that we had in the amateurs mm. to make the Olympics, and that was two thousand and eight. So you went to Olympics. Went to two thousand eight Olympics for Australia. Where, what country? There, uh, Beijing. Yeah. How was that? It was. It's di- China's a different place, man. Mm. I'm the type of dude that can talk to anyone about anything at any time. Like mm. I just I talk to anyone if I'm yeah. at the park. I'll be like, hey, mate, how are you? Mm. Like that's just me. And over there, they almost shy away from it. Mm. And maybe, and maybe because they could tell we were Westerners, so they mm. were extra like, oh, mm. they, it was everything was just difficult. Mm. Everything there was difficult, like to get anywhere to commute. No one, you know, when you go to a country and they semi can understand what you're saying, yeah. like you're like, ah, oh, excuse me, ah, uh, but mm. they have absolutely. You might as well be clicking your tongue when you go over there. They got absolutely no idea what you're talking about, mm. or they just know you're Westerner and like. Eh. Mm. It was difficult, but it was nice. I got to do like Great Wall of China, Summer Palace, Winter Palace, and all these things that have been around for thousands of years. That's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. But the yeah, it's it's strange. I'm not a I'm not a city person. Like, you black you know black fellow from the country. You take him to one of the biggest, most populated countries in the world. You know, it's a big big change, big real. That and that's something that I never ever would have thought, man. Mm. Like, who would have thought this little black <coughs> fellow from Tully? Representing Australia at the Olympics. Yeah, I've been to 14 different countries, 13, 14 different countries. Like, mm. been to America three times. Like, yeah. been all like been all over Europe. Before yeah. the Olympics, we went all over Europe. We did a world tour of Europe. We went to, like, Czech Republic, Germany, Spain, Croatia, then come back and then went to Thailand and China. That was just in one year. Yeah. yeah. All to do with the Olympics, yeah. All, the, all when we made the Olympic team, wow. when we made the Aussie team, we did our um, prep overseas. Lived overseas for a what while. What was the Olympic Village like, man, with all those international athletes? Um, who did you meet? Who, who, who I meet? seen them all. Michael Phelps or any of them? Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, uh, the, all the basketball, Kobe. But like, mm. oh, that, that was the Olympics where um, Usain Bolt won his first, like, Olympic gold medals for running and he mm. was there. I seen him. And yeah. It's weird. Like, I seen um, Rafael Nadal, like, eating breakfast in the hall over there and mm. – I was like, "Whoa, that's pretty cool. It's crazy. Like that's to get in that close like. proximity." But then I thought, "He's mostly thinking there's Paul Fleming over there." <laughs> then I um, thought, "I wish we had the same bank accounts." Like, <laughs> like that guy's like, and it's weird. Like you look at these guys, like the basketballers, and these that they're worth 
hundreds of millions, millions of, yeah. and I didn't have two dollars to rub together. Yeah, like nothing. The contrast, eh? Yeah, contrast, and that's and I'm from a Western country. Like, there's some other countries there that have nothing, nothing. Ethiopia, like yeah. nothing, nothing. Yeah, like yeah, that's that's a big reality shock. That's a big. Contrast, mm. you know. So how did you go on that Olympics? What was the? So I ended up losing to the eventual silver medalist. I drew him early on. I drew the second best guy early on and had a cracker of a fight. I don't think I'm ever not in a cracker of a fight, no. but I was. I had a cracker of a fight and ended up losing by a couple of points. And he ended up going through and winning the silver medal and losing to Lomachenko. So oh, this, fair is, yeah, I was wow. in the same division as Loma. So. Yeah. So, yeah, and then after that, I turned professional. Mm. Um, had my first three fights with my uh, my coach, Mick Foley, up on mm. the sunny coast. And then and then I had a few, you know, a few issues living up on the sunny coast. Went for a bit of, bit of stuff and then bro- broke up with my ex-partner who I was with and then met my new partner who's my wife now mm. who yeah. I've got six kids with and mm. moved to Sydney and trained with Billy Hussain for a few years. Yeah. And, that was a that broke down. That was unfortunate uh, how it went, but you know, unfortunate, unfortunate because I had so much faith in it. Mm. Um, but it's a definitely a learning curve. Yeah, for um, sure. Being too loyal sometimes can bite you in the ass. Yeah, yeah. That's one of those things in a boxing game. You gotta really the decisions have got to be made for you and you only, don't they? Man, the boxing game is it attracts all sorts of characters. Yeah, and uh, it's it's nothing. It's not not all written in stone. No. Like you know, people look at the like people look at the big lump sums. If you get there, yeah. If you get there, they look at oh, that's a. It doesn't even equal out. Mm. It doesn't equal out the amount of time the amount of blood sweat mm. tears the mm. amount you put your body through everything i'm only starting to see the benefits now and i'm 34 and what's your record right now uh 29 fights uh 29 wins one draw 18 knockouts so right. i'll have my 30 that's fight. not same. what have you, what, have you got a, what's your rating uh, I think I'm 12 in the BA and 14 in the IBF. Yeah. But ratings change. Like this oh, they is, do. They, they change every change week. Ratings change like that. If you, one if fight. You, one fight. And one fight. And you're in the top five. And you're to- in the top five. So as long as you're in the conversation. There'd so. be a lot of fighters, especially international fighters, would be interested in fighting you because of your record. It's a good record mm. and it's an interesting fight, but also it's a hard fight to get. It's a hard fight to get ready for because a lot of people don't know the the ins and outs of boxing. So I'm a southpaw. And I'm left-handed. Po- and it's political. It's, it's oh well, this is this is like oh, listen. But if you listen, how many hours you got here? Yeah. Like you know, if we wanted to break it down, you could spend hours and hours. But the like the, the just the boxing side of it to get ready to fight me, it's a it's a it's a challenge. I'm a yeah. southpaw. Not many, like, to, what percent of the world is even left-handed? Yeah. It's only a small percentage. Then yeah. what percent of them are even boxers or yeah. fighters? It's even smaller. And then you got to find someone that fights like me to imitate my style. It's very hard. Yeah, you know, yeah. I've got a very unique style. You know, not many people move and as agile and as fast. It's, it's, it's a very unique. The way I fight's unique. So how do you get someone to train with to prepare, prepare to fight me? Yeah, yeah. Very difficult. So, you know, yeah, it is. it's a good record, but it's – 
it's a good record, but it's good for a reason. It's, yeah, it's, it's a, good. It's a dangerous. It's a, it's a dangerous fight. And then guys, it's hard to get fights at the moment. It's yeah. hard to get fights at the moment because a lot of people. I'm at that point now where I'm at the I'm at the precipice. I'm at the top. Yeah. I'm, I'm 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 close to a world title fight. So now guys have to get there have put a lot of money into it and a lot of time and a lot of effort. They mm. don't want to throw it away. So mm. you got to be very calculated. So I'm lucky, you know. I've got I've got Jay in Dreamtime, and yeah. I've got um, you know, I'm f- very lucky for for no, Jay. What a like, Jay, he, Jay, Jared Trelaw is just dead set a gentleman and a passionate. You know, it's, I'll tell you what was disappointing for that last fight. Like uh, from my perspective, Jared wasn't allowed to attend your fight, right? Yeah. Right, because of you know some outgoing outstanding court matters. Yeah. But do you know. A pedophile, a convicted pedophile, would be allowed to go to a Wiggles concert. That's the contrast of that. Isn't that fucking embarrassing? I mean, uh, he's such a good guy. He's such a a guy that gives so much to the community. He's a he's a dear friend, but um, he's a guy, you know, and he is punished by like his bikey past. Like he hasn't been a bikey fucking ten years. Isn't that I crazy? Mean, it's, it it is it is man, and you know it's it's unfortunate, but. You know, I'm just fortunate enough to have met him, and he's give, gave me these opportunities, put mm. me in on. on oh, he loves thing. you, mate. He loves he, you. He, he, this is the thing: to give me these opportunities is, you know, more than I could have asked anyone. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's put me and my family in a great position, and and you know, I'm forever indebted to him for that. And he's forever he, working for you, man. I man, tell 100%. you, I've been I've been with him, and it's always trying to get a good deal for Flemo, like. Well, now we're signed with DNL, so yeah. you know we're with with DNL, um, and you know the world's our oyster. We're pushing, we're looking for some big things. You know, we're looking to bring some guys out here. There's a couple of fights here that are possible, but yeah. I think people have got to realise, you know, it's not just about your world rating. It's not just about your record. It's about your marketability. Yeah. And unfortunately, for ninety nine percent of these fighters in this country. They're boring and unmarketable. Yeah. No one gives a shit. You're definitely like, an entertainer from your best ring. I, I say that and I say it, you know, you, you've got the best ring walk and I, and I, I like uh, NGs as well. I think that's Yeah, pretty, NG, the flamingo. Uh, yeah, the Listen, flam- I like the flamboyant guys yeah, yeah. And, and I like the guys that are, that bring um that bring something to the table. There's um There was a guy who fought on the Cambosis card. I've seen I forgot him. his name. That come out him. to that. I'll stand right in front of him. That come out to that song. Yeah, that walk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love mm-hmm. that energy. What did Lucky Punch or yeah. Lucky? Like I, I forgot what his name is. Shout out to him if he's. If yeah. he's a, I forgot your name, bro. Yeah. But he um he had a wicked walk out. I like yeah. that energy. And he's having I a like bit of a dance and that. Yeah, I like cool. something cool, man. But um, you know, I do what I do is very um it's very special to me. It's you know, cultural. It's, it's it's very and I think people can see that. I like that. I think I think people enjoy the different sides to me. But they know I can be funny. They know I'm um I come I bring that side of it. I'm a family man. You know I'm I can have a laugh at my own expense and mm. you know I'm just self deprecating is a great thing to be. I'm that's that's a sign of humility. I'm real. This, this, is, the, this is the thing. Where from the first time you've met me to now, I'm the same person, yeah, yeah. and everyone can say that about me. I'm never, mm. never, never try to be anyone that I'm that I'm not. And I can't be. My body won't let me. It's yeah. like a gag reflex. I've got like a gag <laughs> reflex for bullshit, and yeah. if I try to spit it out, it, my body doesn't allow yeah, me. So. That's good. You know, it's funny. I was over. I was when I was sitting in prison a few few years ago, and I remember saying I'd love to get involved with boxing. And mm. when I got out, I met up with Angelo Hyder, and 
And he sent me to Manchester with Bruno Torimo to fight Barrett when Barrett fought for the uh, Eliminator over Zelfa. there. Zelfa. Yeah, Zelfa oh, Barrett. Yeah. I think that would be a great fight for you. I think you beat him and beat him well. I'll tell you, like I looked at in, in the UK how fighters are treated over there. They're treated like kings. Yeah. You know? a, I guess because like our NRL players are treated like and our AFL mm. players and our cricketers yeah. and I guess it's just – it's just the, the nature pop, of the, the populace. It's the populace. You know, that's yeah. that's the sport. You know, if, mm. if I was a tennis player or a swimmer or, you know, AFL player or star, I'd be like lauded. I wouldn't be able to go. I'd struggle to walk down the street. But, yeah. you know, um, and that that's what the boxers are like over there. You know, uh, Anthony Joshua, he's a superstar. Yeah, you yeah. know, like um, Amir Khan would have been all these all these top top English yeah. fighters. Got shot. Know, Cal I went, Brooks. I went to uh, uh, in a shopping center in Manchester, and, and um, Tyson Fury's got his own paraphernalia oh, shop. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, he's got his own. Uh, it's in a big shopping center. Yeah. And I went over and bought, and his business partner was like, "Come on, mate, I'll take you up to the fact." You know, they were just, "Oh, he'd love you." And, yeah. Uh, just wow. how embrace how like so I fought at the World Juniors with Tyson Fury. Yeah, like so we fought at 2007 World Juniors in Morocco, and mm. Tyson Fury was that heavyweight there. Yeah, how did I think, he go? I, the, I, I think he won it. I'm pretty. Mm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. We got on the piss. I got on the piss with him, and there over there, yeah, running a muck back yeah. in the day when I used to drink. I don't drink anymore. That's another thing I love about you. You're clean living. There's never no. Oh, fucking Flamo was on the coke or yeah. there's no, there's never, you know, like, you know how people hear these stories, they get around really quick, you know, and there's always someone trying to take a photo of that. Here, yeah. have this and take a Mate, you're a clean living family, man, and, uh, and definitely a, a really good role model for young kids. I try you know? to be. I try to be that whenever I meet any young person. Yeah. I try and be that person that's like, oh, I'm going to remember that guy. Yeah. I'm going to remember that he treat, he spoke, he spoke. In a certain way, he had a certain respect. He had a certain energy took an about interest him. In you, he took an interest in me. He took, yeah. he, he took the time to actually. He, you, I could see. I want him to see the passion in my eyes. I yeah. want him to see. I want to leave a mark on someone that they're like, oh, yeah, I remember that guy. Yeah. And if they don't remember my name, mm. they'll remember like, ah, oh, I remember Direction. the time I met that person. He was at my school. Or he come in for a talk that time. Or you, you do a bit of uh, mentoring stuff. You got the Cobham Boys Home. And- yeah, I had a program in there for two years. I was yeah. working with uh, some of the indigenous kids. Uh, yeah, I was mm. working with them in there. I'd go in and run my own programs in there. I was a AEO, Aboriginal Education Officer at my mm. kid's school for a couple of years. How good is that? Yeah, a youth worker for a while yeah. doing that. And when you, where, where were you a youth worker at? Uh, I worked for this company called PYS, yeah. Yeah, Paramount Youth Services. I worked for them for a couple of years, but that's a hard job. Yeah. And that's a hard it's job. hard not to take them kids on, isn't it? Like you see, you know. And as well, a lot of them kids have been through it. You know, they're institutionalized mm. in a way. Like they've been in the system for so long. They know the ins and outs and they've – Kids are smarter than what we give them credit for, mm. and they they like they adapt, they survive and adapt, mm. and they they know what to say and they know what to do, and and it's not and like I'm not pointing the finger at the kids, but they're just products of the the situation mm. that they've been in. Yeah, they're a lot of these and these kids are removed. Mm. Remember, they yeah. don't have parents for whatever reason. Mm. They've seen what they've seen and been through what they've been through and they've had to adjust and make adjustments and they've had to survive. Darwin theory. Yeah. You know, they've had to survive. So they've, they've, no, they've adapted. Uh, Knowing your personality, then kids would have responded really well to you. Yeah. I had, I, I, you know, my problem is I get, I get, I get too much, too attached to them. You know what I mean? Mm. And I just, I, I want to save them all. But some of them is just, I just, but you know what? I think the system too, the system, 
The system needs people in the system to have a system. What's underutilised in this country is, in regards to the troubled kids is what we got in the prisons. Now, that mm. you march a guy off a prison van into a classroom with a set of handcuffs on, that kid is going to respond to that bloke. He's going to tell his story and go, mate, I fucked up. This is what happened to me. I shouldn't have done this. I should have done that. I should have made this choice. And like that. I reckon that kid's more chance to respond because that bloke's got lived experience because kids see bullshit. Oh, they got a they got a built in bullshit detector. You know, even my kids, I can't like get nothing gets past my kids. Mm. They got a radar for bullshit. They yeah. just pick it up. They have to. They have to be in tune to it to survive because yeah, they're yeah. dealing with things that normal kids don't deal with in yeah. these situations. Tell me, we'll get back to the boxing, mate. What? Who was the hardest bloke you've ever fought? Can you give us a, give us two give us three of your toughest fights? The, the, the French guy that beat me at the Olympics. That was a tough fight. That was probably my one of my toughest fights. In the amateurs, um, I fought a guy from Palm Island. My fourth fight when Reggie. I was third, th- I think thirteen years old. Mm. No, it wasn't Reggie. I think Peter Bonner, maybe mm. Peter Bonner might have been his name. Yeah, he, tough there, mate. I, I remember I had all the gear. I got I got mad boxing boots and all this stuff. Like Dad goes, all right, we'll get you some gear. We didn't have lots of money, but mm. you know, Dad's like. If you're gonna do something, put money into it. Like, mm. but that's all I could do. You know what mm. I mean? There was no playing s- sports anywhere else mm. because all our money went into boxing. And if I hurt myself doing something else, then all the money that we put into boxing would be useless. Yeah, buying the brand new boots and the gloves mm. and the headgear and the mouth guards mm. and all the like, it's expensive when you got no money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like two hundred dollars, one hundred and eighty dollars for a family that doesn't have like. That's a week's worth of groceries. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we found a way to get all the gear for me to have like boxing gear, headgear, mouth guards, and that's so the dad didn't want me doing anything else. And um yeah, I remember fighting fighting the, the fella from Palm Island and he had no boxing boots on. No. Just just runners. Just, no, 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 no barefoot. <laughs> barefoot. The singlet was too big. So mm. they put sticky tape around the singlet at the back to hold it, like wrapped it around to hold it together mm. so it didn't slip off his shoulders. The headgear was like all too big for him and old. And, yeah. And I had all the gear and he just punched the piss out of me. <laughs> yeah. big, probably big, probably the biggest touch-up I've ever got in my life. I was 13 years old yeah. and I, then I, I ended up like having a bit of a teary and dad yeah. like grabbing me and like going, you know, fuck. You gonna cry? Never cry, and I never cried again from losing the fight that one no. time. Like you can't cry, you gotta cry. This ain't a man. This is a man sport sort of thing, you know. No. All the hard ass dad no. talk, and yeah. yeah, never cried again. But that was the p- biggest touch up I'd ever got there. Yeah, I lost that fight, um, and Jackson England, my last fight. That was Hell a, of a that, fight. That was a, that's the, that was that's... a tough fight. I think I had to overcome a lot of things for that fight too. So sometimes it's not just a. Sometimes the fights that you don't expect are going to be tough fights or tough fights because there's other things that are going on. Yeah. You know, like just because you got the fight on on the 4th of June doesn't mean everything's going to be yeah. amazing. Yeah, because you've <laughs> you got know, a life. You've got, a, you've, yeah, and you've got, got a business like, to run. You've got, you got bills. you got business to run. you got six kids. you got a pregnant wife. you got, you know, kids that are getting sick. you got mm. a mum and a disabled sister. you got family. you got... You yeah, know, there's a lot of distraction training, in it. Yeah, cutting weight, cutting weights. The one of the hardest things about boxing is cutting weight. That's the horrible. What, what thing do you fight? What weight do you fight at? I fight at fifty eight point nine kilos. Yeah, and what, so, what do you what do you walk around at? I used to walk around a lot heavier, but now I like um I walk around about sixty four kilos. Now, yeah, so yeah. it's it's and but I'm sixty four kilos with nothing on me. Like yeah. I when I'm cutting weight, 
So are you aware? Are you aware of that all the time? Of your weight, like saying, oh, "I'm six kilos out." Now, I'm- now more than ever, because mm. I'm older now. Mm. And talking about the having the ADHD to not being able to structure things, that's one thing that I to box. I have to because I don't have the time to stress about that. So I just make sure that I'm constantly moving, constantly busy, and I don't. And what you watching? What you eat? I just, I just. I don't know. I just got this mental thing. I don't crave for anything yeah. anymore. So I'm just, I just eat, just eat normal. Yeah. I never binge anymore. Yeah. I just, I just got over this. Man, I, I, when I went through, I went through some real tough times in my 30, like when I turned 30 and a lot of things changed in yeah. my head then, you know, I wasn't boxing at the time then and, and, you know, went through like split up with my old gym and, and I went through a lot of mental health stuff that I never really had before because, I'd always had my energy focused in boxing and when I lost my way and I wasn't working at the time mm. and my wife was working and I, I, my wife had never really, she was working flat and I was just doing the stay at home dad stuff and trying to hustle and trying to get my foot back into boxing and stuff and man, we don't give our women enough credit, man. Yeah. The stay at home gig is a tough thing, man. No, like I did that. I did that for a, you know, a year and a half, stay at home trying to, and hustling. Yeah. It killed me. Yeah, it absolutely killed me. There's mm. no when you're when you're a stay-at-home parent. There's no lunch breaks. No, you don't go on a lunch break. No, you know you don't go. You don't get the no time to watch the fights. There's no time to do anything. No. Like because soon and then when you take that time when you got a family as big as mine, when you take that time to do something like now that I've left my wife with the kids and that, mm. and, you know today my my wife's at home with my month old and four other kids my other ones at um daycare but that's tough that's tough on my wife you know it's a tough it's a tough gig and my kids are crazy imagine me as your dad (laughs) imagine me as your dad i had an epiphany the other day i was sitting there pulling my hair out i'm like oh my god my boys are absolute fucking menaces like (laughs) why and i'm like sitting there i'm going why why and this little this little voice come over my head like a little like a little devil on my shoulder a little thing and this goes you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> what do you expect? <laughs> Could you imagine you as your dad? And yeah. I sat down. I'm like, no, nah, yeah, you got me there. You're right. Like, I see you. I see you. Like, imagine I'm, me as your dad. Like, imagine yeah. having four brothers, and they're all similar ages, yeah. boxing gloves on all the time, footy tackling. Like these kids are <laughs> kicking each other's teeth out. Mm-hmm. Like, and, but they're good kids. But they're just into it all yeah. the time, like a hundred percent. No, they're go. four of you. They're four of me, and I've got one with ADHD <laughs> too. Of my my seven year old's got ADHD, and he's. He's a nutter, crazy <laughs> footy player too. Yeah. And both my boys, older boys, play footy. I really you know, the indigenous kids. Like I got grew up on a Mount Drill. I used to see, I used to see like just mate some freaky things. Just I used to just. How see many that. JTs have you seen come through oh, that never man. made it? There was a guy out there called Kevin Hinton, and um, he played reserve grade for Penrith at fourteen. Yeah. When Tim Sheens went to Canberra, Kim, Tim Sheens took him. He played six grade six. Games of first uh, first grade with um, Canberra with Laurie Daly, Ricky Stewart, Bradley Clyde, Mal Meninga. He played in that team. Wow. Lived down there. And, you know, and it was just, mate, this bloke, it, when he was in the Australian schoolboys, he was the 5'8 and Brad Fittler had to play lock because he was better than Brad Fittler. Wow. He was just an amazing talent, you know, and he went by the wayside and ended up just in jail and on drugs and that sort of stuff. And, you know um, how many, there's so many stories about that, eh? It's crazy. I was funny, I was watching this thing once about these, uh, uh, one of these footballers, he turns up to play tennis with 
the Curry fella and Curry fella turns up in a pair of old volleys and a, an old wooden racket and old mate turns up with his Prince Funder stick and all the fucking good gear. Yeah. Oh mate, just the fucking Curry fella just flogged him like you know. Oh, you look good with your gear on and then I just I love those stories. Or have you heard about the original fella that got Bradman out for a duck? No. Yeah, there's a mad story about yeah. that. He's the only person first ball. Knocked the bat out of his hand. Second one went straight through the middle and got Bradman out, Aboriginal guy. Yeah. Yeah. And that ability with the uh, Aboriginal Indigenous people to back themselves in any situation. Yeah. I love that. It's yeah. like a spirit like no other. It's like fucking I can do this. It's like strength day. Eh? It's yeah. like an inner strength. I like it. I like That's something that like I'd always known I was Aboriginal. Like always knew it. Mm. But it's only when I first started having kids that I really started looking more into it. Mm. And that was when, like, 29, 30, I was kind of mm. lost. And mm. Joe Williams, you know Joey Williams? Champion. We, we, we used to train together. And mm. Joey Williams, uh, he's, like, one of my uncles. Like, mm. he's I, I, he's I one him. of my guys that I go to. Like, there's not many people that I call up, or my, even my wife, if mm. I'm going through something or something. He's one of the first people mm. my wife will call, Joey. Mm. I call him all the time, talk to him all the time, legend. But, yeah, he was one of the ones that was like, I know he went he went through his own stuff, yeah, yeah. you know, enemy within yeah. with addiction and mental health yeah. and all that stuff. And, you know, I seen him, we lost contact for a bit and then I seen him after and he just looked real good. And I go, hey, you been, bro? He yeah. goes, yeah, just got into culture. And yeah. told, he's started initiated. Talking. Yeah, he yeah. Went, he's done his thing and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, yeah, he's like... He's very, he's very connected. He's yeah. very connected. But um, yeah, he told me he goes, oh, there's a quabri on, and I'm not going. But all the guys that I go out bush with, uh, there go. You should go check it out. And I took my family, and I went there and seen a proper quabri out. Mm. Like, yeah, it was yeah, it changed me, changed me, changed me from then. From then, I just got like started looking into it more, and mm. you know, just got heaps connected got heaps connected with it and I started painting not too long after that and Aboriginal artist now I don't know where that come from yeah. that was a gift that was in me somewhere in I was in jail in um, Alice Springs and um, I met a one day in the yard the white fella spilled some tea on an old black fella and, and I, I said you better apologise and he made some racial slur and um, and they were going to kill him they were going to kill him all the young, yeah. young black fellas and I said to the Old elder said, Don't worry about it, I'll take care of that. And you know what I mean? I said, You fucking apologize to him or I'll fucking sort it. Anyway, yeah. I told him, I said, Come behind the fucking, come behind the back of the laundry. And I called him around and I bashed him and they loved me for it because yeah. I showed them the ultimate respect, you know. And, um, mate, they, 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 these were the, they were like the Warpri people from a place called Wiendamu out in the Tanami Desert. And they were yeah. just amazing, man. They were just, that, that, man, that was just, white men could learn so much from them. And yeah. they fucking ignore it like just arrogant pigs. I think that's what we need in this day and age, isn't it? Just to reconnect. Mm. I think we're so disconnected from each other. Mm. There's no tribe no more, isn't it? Mm. We're all so much about each other and mm. we, there's no concern for – and like there's no connection. There's mm. no connection. Like we live in our own little bubble, Bubbles, yeah. worried about our own self with no mm. compassion or care from anyone. Mm. And I think that's where it's gone. Like that, that That's what's gone wrong. Like, so you go out there, the most important thing for them people ain't a, ain't a fucking Porsche. It's yeah. being with each other. Connection. They don't care. Like, they just be happy to sit around and look at each other all day and yeah. be with each other. That's yeah. the most important thing. In the prison itself, when I got there, they had these dormitories. They had these sheds, right? 
they didn't have single cells for these guys. And I said that, man, that looks a bit cruel. He goes, you take them away from each other, they'll kill themselves. They said they've mm. got to be able to, they've got to be around each other. That's the most important thing in their life is being around each other. I think that's what a lot of Aboriginal athletes, a lot of people don't understand that. They're like, oh, there's that walkabout blackfella mentality. Like, oh, these blackfellas, they go walkabout. And yeah. It's a connection that a lot of people don't understand. Mm. Like, it's like, I don't, mine isn't so much for people connection. Mine's for connection of country. Like, mm. I get like, I never understood it when I was little because I grew up in the bush. I grew up free in the mm. bush. Like, mm. I'm talking far north Queensland, mm. mud crabs, crocodiles, snakes. Mm. I've got a picture of me on my Instagram with like a 12 foot scrub python mm. out the bush. Like, that's how I grew up. Mm. And I never really understood it when I was traveling so much how I could just, I hated living out of bags. And everyone was like, how do you not like traveling, going everywhere else? And I could never understand it. I'm like, I don't feel comfortable. I just, and as soon as I got home, I'd feel comfortable. And I'm, I'm such a homebody. Like, and that's another Good. reason why you never see me out doing these crazy things. Like you said, like mm -hmm. Flemmo's never mm -hmm. out doing mm -hmm. showtimes, never, because I'm never out. I love my garage. I love my couch. I love my TV. I love my crazy house. I love my crazy house when I'm away from it and I'm like, oh, I miss my crazy house. But when I'm in my crazy house, I'm like, oh, that's just too crazy. But, you know, I love the simplicity thing, the simple things. Mm. Like I love I love my shows that I watch, my information sort of yeah. things that I watch. I love learning about ancient history and yeah. lost history and mm. Pyramids. The tibid, yeah, I'm, I'm into that sort of stuff. Yeah. Lost technology, the Puma Punka, Bolivia, all mm. the Inca stuff. Yeah. I love, I love, I love all that sort of stuff. Yeah. This is what blows me away, right? We think we're the most technologically advanced civil people that have ever lived because we can do this stuff, mm. podcasts, yeah. and see pictures of ourselves mm. on screens. But how can we not explain how the pyramids were made and yeah. how they had these technology to make these? crazy measurements and they knew these things that mm. we're only finding out now mm. and they built these crazy structures with chisels to me that's more interesting than kim kardashian's ass oh, or, sorry, yeah. or or kanye's new yeezys yeah but like i love that sort of stuff that's where Screw my mind you're goes. not the typical boxer for me i'm not i'm not for my whole life i was i was, it was almost like i was living in the dark because i couldn't read yeah. i couldn't i had no that, interest. Tell, explain the process of how you learn to read smartphones Spell predict on smartphones. When I got a uh, mobile that could predict, mm. I'd go to spell something. And, you know, if you don't spell it semi-correctly, it won't even pick it up. Yeah. So if I went to spell different and I put D-E-F, er, er, like it won't yeah. even pick it up. And then you have to delete letters back and restructure it. That's yeah. how I learned to read. Wow. Because I was like, D it for uh, no, it must be I then, not an E. And it must be double F. Oh, that's how you spell it. So I just remember it. And that's how I learned to read. And it wasn't the fact that I couldn't learn. It was the fact that what they were trying to teach me, I, I just had no interest in it. Mm -hmm. And without dopamine, without that interest, without that serotonin, mm -hmm. ADHD people struggle to pay attention. So if you're teaching me about maths and algebra or whatever it is, my brain's not going to be there. So mm -hmm. I go MIA real quick. But- I can learn. Just give me something interesting, like pyramids or <laughs> or something. Yeah, well, I was the same. I hated school, and uh, this one teacher just found something that I was interested in. Yeah. I was interested in staffies, right? Dogs, yeah. and because uh, I've bred staffies all my life, and yeah. I was interested in that. And he'd give me a couple of books, and so I'd, the staffy book, I'd read it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then he'd say, "Oh, give me a, an essay on that," and I could do that all day. Yeah. I was just finding right it. Right about staffies. Yeah, 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 right. 
I think in a way, me not being able to learn how they wanted me in, in school allowed me to be more open-minded because mm. I wasn't so tunnel vision on mm. this is how you got to do, this is how you got to go to, you like, you got to do this and that and that. Like, because my brain was open because mm. I wasn't tunnel vision, I was able to take different paths and yeah. not get bogged down or stuck down on that one yeah. thing and not get disappointed if it didn't work out. So. I go with the yeah, flow. I'm like, yeah. yeah, I think, oh, right. well, that I'm not emotionally invested. That's right. in even, much. With, even with your boxing, it's like I, I, I see you, you're calling out fighters, and it's no fear. No, I'm, he's the best. You know, yeah. you, you've called. You know, all of them. There's, there's no yeah. one you're hiding from. It's not. Yeah. You, you know what? You're we not Liam Wilson. Yeah, you're not sitting on a, a cushion record. I've always believed in my talent. I've always believed in my ability. It's that black fella stuff, man. Where you back yourself. And listen, if I, if I ain't the best, I'm not here to not test myself. I'm not here not to be the best. And if he's the listen if anyone else is the best then come prove it yeah yeah. like if you want to call yourself the best super featherweight or the best most no one can call himself the most entertaining fighter in this country i got that yeah, no one can say that they got the best walkouts i got that no yeah. one can say they have the best interviews i've got that yeah. so you know I'm, i've got it. all the i'm ticking all the boxes and i, I think love I'm that the best. i love i love that mate when you, you you got your purse and you'll shout everyone i love mate. Uh, people were, the, that, people were talking it yeah like, people were saying it people were saying the, it on the streets that's people off the cuff I'll shout too. Yeah, that's off the cuff yeah. too that yeah. was like he asked me what are you going to do after this and come on give it give it to us again so the easter show like, so what happened was he asked me what are you going to do after and before because i fought just before the easter show the kids want to go to the easter show and i go it depends if i win if i lose we're not gonna, <laughs> we're not, i'm not gonna go celebrate at the easter <laughs> show like and i won that fight and i was like he's like what are you going to do now and i go might go eat some chocolates and waffles might go to the easter show spend all me purse at the easter show on the family and if everyone if anyone else wants to feed come see me i'll shout you so, <laughs> yeah, so cool. and then i was just like i'll shout you and then everyone was like sending me videos like mm. i shout you and then mm. fox sport like the read did a little reel yeah. of it and then i did it again my last fight this year and i actually went to the easter show and mm. Did a little video there with Nookie and um, yeah. cooking with a curry and went yeah. there, a couple of blackfellas and running a muck there. And Who's your team in the NRL? Well, I'm roped into the Panthers now because oh, me boys, because be, yeah. me boys, like yeah. my boys are playing in the Panther comp. Mm. They're like Panther fans. We go up. One of my yeah. sponsors, Doolan Plumbers, has mm. a, a box up there. So we go watch the home mm. games and that. And, they just they well, that's love part of it, but it's, you know what? Living in that community, I grew up in that community, and that that team's like South is like yeah. in this area. Yeah, so that's the that's that's the be all and end well, all. That, well, there they're like they come from there. They're mm. like from the Druid. They're like mm. boys from the Druid. So my boys see that and they love it. Yeah, so they go for them, but I'm waiting for the Dolphins, bro. Oh, yeah. Dolphins, yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm gonna be a Dolphin. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, someone's got it. My Aboriginal tribe's from up there, so I'm a Yagara, uh, Waka 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 Waka's from Sherberg, yeah. and that's all. Tough Waka people Waka from Sherberg. Gubby, yeah. yeah, so Waka Waka and Gubby Gubby and all that area. That's yeah. that's where the Dolphins are from. So. Yeah. Um, that's my new team. I'm oh, the Dolphins yeah. now. When they open up, that's me. I done. Jail, I was in jail in Maribara, and, and a lot of Sherberg fellas would turn up there, mate. They oh, are. That's a tough breed of people, man. It's different out there, eh? Have you seen the videos where they get out and they have a dig? They full have tribal wars out mm. there. They fight spears each other. I, they, I, they live in different. This is the thing. People look at that and they go, "Oh my god." <laughs> 
these indigenous people out here punching on in the streets, having these. Vi- I mean, it's a different world yeah, here. Yeah. This is the. This isn't. That's how you sort things. That's out. That's how you sort things out. out and there's there. been. I, what I maybe if there was a little bit more of that here, mm-hmm. then there'd be. Listen, if people respect. were held accountable for some of the things that they said sometimes and knew they were going to get a little bit of a jab in the lip, sometimes maybe there, maybe there wouldn't be so much shit talk on the internet. Yeah, I was in jail and. Um, Alice Springs and man, you see these guys come in, they got spear holes in their legs and that from trouble payback. Or, but they reckon the worst is the nulla nulla from the woman going out to the trouble payback because they walk out mm. and the women are standing there with a the nulla nulla and they're cracking them over the head. And I was yeah. Oh, yeah, some of that stuff. Every, every different moms have different things in that. And that's stuff that you're talking about. That's real, that's mm. real traditional. Mm. And that's that's stuff that but a lot beautiful. of people don't even know. And mm. and there's a, maybe if our laws were, were black and white like mm. their laws were mm. then there'd be a lot less people doing stupid crimes For if sure. you knew if you knew your punishment was you're gonna get stabbed yeah. through the leg with a spear if you did that to that person then maybe you weren't gonna go down there and do that 100%. to that person but maybe because every time that you do that to a young person or a child or a woman and you touch them or you abuse them and all that and you get the court and you get a smack on the wrist maybe that's the issue yeah. maybe we're smacking on the maybe we're tapping on the wrist a little bit too much and we need to be spearing in the legs a little bit more I don't know I don't know I I, hey, hey I'm not I'm, not, I'm just saying and I'm putting it out there. I don't know. Let's take another option. But um, <laughs> yeah, man, I want to touch on on your business. Like you, yeah. you've got a construction company. Yeah, so I got a scaffolding. It's called Yaga Corporation. Mm-hmm. So cool, cool. I come up with the name. So the name Yaga, which mm-hmm. means strenuous work, and yeah. it's from the tribe Yagara up mm-hmm. in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. So the word is Y A G A, and mm-hmm. it was taken and turned into Y A K K A Yaka. Yeah. Yeah, hard, so yaka, hard yeah, yaka. yaka. Yeah. So the real word is yaga. Yeah. So my company means yaga corporation is strenuous work, yeah. hard work. Yeah. So we um we do scaffolding and uh, skip bins like yeah. tier one sort of stuff. Yeah. Like and um yeah I'm I I am the managing director, so I kind of oversee sort of the signing offs and make mm. sure that the company's doing what they say. Yeah. That's my main role. I don't mm. know much about scaffolding. I've yeah. done a little bit of it, but Not what I'm, it's hard work. It's I done a little bit of it and it's tough work. I don't know much about it. I was just a laborer sort of thing in between my fights. Mm. But what I know is they wanna cultivate and, and grow indigenous trust in within their business. Mm. And that's what I come on board to do mm. is be that voice, be that person that the indigenous people feel has their back. Because a yeah. lot of times we weren't even allowed to work and earn money mm. until 19, 1967, 1956, mm. my mum was born. She was mm. 11 years old before they passed the referendum, mm. making her a citizen. Mm. So prior to that, we weren't even allowed to work and earn money. So Mm. It's not even instilled in us, so we're trained. It's it's retraining indigenous people to be like, hey, you can work. It, it, we've only been able to work for a few 30, 40 years mm. and earn a living properly. Yeah. So it's about retraining these young people and showing them that you can have these opportunities, and these opportunities are out there, and giving mm. these opportunities to these people. You know, so that's yeah. what we're trying to do. Good on you, man. That's a, it's, I love what you're doing, man. I love your passion for it. And, uh, and opening up a gym too. Open up a gym at Western Sydney. Yeah. What are you going to call a gym? SFA. Sweet fuck all. No, <laughs> Sh- Showtime Fight Academy. Yeah, wow. Well, I'm out there and I've got all the young kids out there. My boys, I've got yeah. a few four boys. I've got a couple of girls. Yeah. And, you know, I'm open to all the community. I'm pretty in touch with all the community out there. Yeah. I talk to them. Everyone kind of knows me. I go to the footy every weekend. Yeah. So 
with my boys. So everyone kind of knows me. So I hope everyone gets down and supports us out there. And we'll give back. We're going to give back to the community. I always do. I always give back. So, mm. you know, it's a big that's part of I'm who about. you are, brother, isn't it? It's a big part of who you are about giving back to the community, isn't it? It always makes me feel better. You know, it's mm. always, I always like seeing people get presents than receiving them. Mm. Like receiving them on, because of my ADHD, I'd get it and the novelty rears off yeah, really same. quick with me, unless it's something. Something amazing, like the novelty really wears off really quick for me. So mm. I'd always enjoy seeing people. I'd rather give them. Yeah, something. yeah. I always, I always yeah. enjoyed people's reactions. And I like seeing people happy and, you know, I like being that. I want to be that person. If I can be that person for a couple of people where they're like, you know, back when I was 12 or 13, this guy come to my school and, you know, really made me think. And from that point, you know, I just looked at things differently mm. from then. If I could be that for one or two people, that oh, person, I like, because I had them people. Yeah. And and if I didn't have them people, I don't know if I would have been here. Uh, or if I, would I be here in the same capabilities that I am now? Probably not. Mm. But I had a few of them people, you know, and we all need them people. And that goes back to that tribe mentality. Mm. We're missing it. That community. We're, so when we're missing that community. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to bring back, that community, yeah. that open, that safe space, that mm. trustworthy, like, you know, that trust mm. is gone. And it and it's been – the reason the trust is gone is because scumbags have disrespected the trust. You yeah. know what I mean? You know, we can't have that community. In our community, uncles and aunties are everything. Mm. Everyone's an uncle and auntie. We all talk to each other like they're each other's kids. Ah, get out of there. What are you doing? I'll kick your ass. Like, yeah. go on, I'll get your mum up. Like, yeah. same, same. We're all family, but that's gone now. Yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes, like, my kids are friends with everyone, and sometimes I have to go to the parents to be like, hey, bring them down, drop them down, mm. trampoline there anytime. Mm. Like, and I understand why people are hesitant because look at the times we live in. Mm. It's scary, but I want to bring that trust back. I want to be yeah. that trusting person that, you know, mm. the community centers. I want my gym to be like the old, remember the old community yeah, centers yeah. Yeah. where you go down and you have all the old pros there or these old guys mm. that you know of the experience in them, them old aunties there that, mm. you know, will pull you in the line. You can't, you can't fuck around at them yeah. places because you got the yeah. real ones there. Yeah, yeah. That's what I want to bring back. I want yeah. my gym to be where the real ones are. Respect is taught there. That's what I think. We're looking at the wrong people. Let's look at the leaders in the community to bring back the stability. Mm. And I think that's where we forget we need them strong leaders within the community, them people that have lived that life that these kids can resonate with. That mm. you know, it's hard to see yourself represented. You know, it, it, it being an indigenous like unless I unless you're a rugby league player, very hard to see yourself represented in yeah. the '90s and '80s. So. Where do you see yourself? You don't even you, – you have no family members. A lot of people didn't have any family members that had, like, houses and jobs. Yeah, and like, You know what I mean? To, so yeah. who do you inspire to that you see yourself represented? Where do mm. you see your face represented within yeah. your family, within your community, within, you know, Mount Druitt, mm. when you're living in these low socioeconomic areas? Where do you see that inspiration yeah. unless you're – Latrell Mitchell or something like that. Like not everyone can be that. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like where where do we see that? I want to be that face that's there. Like I want to be known. Like boxing's given me this platform, but I want to be known for everything other mm. than boxing. Honestly, you're one of the most loved sportsmen in Australia, whether you know it or not. We'll have to wind it up. <laughs> All good. Hey, hey Flemo, man, I'm telling you, that's it. I loved having you here, brother. Man, I appreciate your time and effort. And I always love doing these things, and it's hard to peel me out of the house because all the kids and that, but. 
for you, man. I made the I made the effort to make a make the trip all the way yeah. in here, and um, I really appreciate your time, man. And yeah. Thanks everyone for the messages and the support and shares and all that stuff and buying the merch. And really, I really appreciate all your help and effort and and yourself, man, giving us this platform and allowing us to share my story. You know, I really appreciate it. And, yeah, be inspired. Be inspired. This bloke is a true role model. Poor appreciate Showtime it. Fleming. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming. Cheers, brother. <laughs>